Welcome to Good Christophian Talks. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. Thank you for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post a new episode at the start of each week with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to listen to. And now, let's talk more about this week's talk. Welcome to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. This is Brother Brian. Would you like to help us or join the team in any way? Well, we want to hear from you. If you head over to our new website, goodchristadelphiantalks.com, you can please fill out the form to let us know how you're interested in volunteering. Uh, That can be in whatever capacity you're willing to help. We're looking to grow the podcast, and of course, many hands make light work. You'll also find the forms there where you can continue to send in suggestions for all the good talks that you're hearing. This is a podcast that's built on your recommendations. So once again, I have one for you this week. This week's talk is part of a series called The Life of Lot that was given by Brother Matt Norton at the Shippensburg Bible School back in 2010. This was sent in by recommendation, I think, a few years ago. So I was really glad to open it up. Um, This class itself, class five, is called Honesty. And this whole series was phenomenal. So it was really hard for me to decide on which one to focus on. So understandably, the rest of the series is going to be loaded onto the extended podcast as we speak. Highly recommend that you listen to all of them. Um, Brother Matt frequented the Midwest quite a bit back in the mid-2000s, and I remember that he was just so engaging with the teens and the young people, often getting through to them in a way that they needed to hear. And so much of this series features his frequent use of asking questions and not moving on until he gets the audience to engage and to piece it together themselves. Which, as a teacher or a former teacher myself, I just think it works so effectively. So the story of Lot, as we know, is one of the most dramatic in Scripture. And Brother Matt sets up this series as a cautionary tale of how this can be avoided and the stark discrepancy between the days of Abraham versus the days of Lot. And for this class in particular, it focuses on why it came to be that there were not even 10 righteous left in the city for God to spare it. Brother Matt ties in how Lot's name means veiled, and how much of what he believed or was taught to believe by Abraham was hidden or veiled from the rest of the city, so much so that probably no one outside his family knew that he was a believer or a Christadelphian. And that's what led to his isolation and his inability to get even his family out when the angels finally came for him. 
in that same vein, Brother Matt makes a really good connection between the need to let our light shine and not hiding it under a bushel. And how, in this case, the bushel is the literal bushel measurement of grain trading and the love of silver, the love of money, the love of business that perhaps Lot fell into that led to him not wanting to speak up or speak out about what he really thought about the residents of Sodom. The other signature phrase that also hits home quite often is the use of Jesus saying, the truth will set you free. And how so often with us and with Lot, if we simply speak up for the truth, yes, it might ostracize us from friends, even from family. But if we don't want to go down with the ship with them, then we need to say what we really believe, being honest, and the truth and God's mercy will set us free from whatever temptation or affliction is bombarding us. So as always, we hope this strengthens your faith and brightens your day. Brother Matt Norton from the series The Life of Lot, this is Honesty. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Anybody heard the saying, get real? Yeah? What's it mean? What's it mean, get real? Big fun? Exactly. A snap out of it. Like, come on. Let's have a look at John chapter 8. I want to show you something. You know, some people that are always in a daze, you say to them when they say something that's unusually, uncharacteristically correct, say, oh, thanks for visiting reality. Please come again. See, the Lord's talking to the Pharisees here and he's, he's having a bit of a conversation with them and they're getting pretty upset because whose seed were they? Whose descendants were they? The scribes and the Pharisees. Who were they related to, which they were so proud of? Abraham. But we've been looking at what it means to be a true child of Abraham. If you're really related to Abraham, if you're really related to him, what type of person will you be? Faithful, yeah. Starts with H. Yeah, honest. Yeah, it's a good one. But a Hebrew... Yeah, honest, good one. <laughs> Trick question. You'll be a Hebrew. What does a Hebrew do? You know, one New Zealand joke is, you ever heard the New Zealand joke? You know how New Zealanders talk like this? They don't have any, they don't have any vowels. What did New Zealanders say? What did one Jew say to the other Jew? Hebrew. <laughs> have you heard that one before? You have heard that? Okay, I'll explain it to you later. For those laughing out of politeness. So what do Hebrews do? Real Hebrews. They sojourn and what else do they do? They resist something. What do they resist? And withstand. Yeah, but particularly, you guys been asleep or something? 
What do they really stand against? Yeah, lover of silver, but there was something that Abraham had to withstand. We looked at when Kedor Elama from Babylon came down. Remember, they had to withstand the city building? Yeah? Don't remember me saying that. I mean, I may have been asleep, may have dreamt I said it to you, but I can remember, I think, saying that this, remember Shem, the name, and the sons of Heba, and Abraham was a descendant, and because he was a Hebrew, he withstood the building of the city. Brothers, oh, brothers, sisters, sorry, I'm still in... Do you guys live in the city? And I'm speaking metaphorically. Or do you live in tents? Are you a pilgrim? Is your status a dweller in the land who's looking for a city that's to come? The kingdom whose builder and maker is God. Or are you helping to build the city? It's sin's city. It's the city of Babylon. It is serving the flesh, serving sin, doing whatever you want. That's what it means to live in the city. So where do you guys live? You have to ask yourself this question. Where do you live? Do you live in the city or you live in a tent? So Christ says here in this verse, look at this. Jesus says to them in verse 31, He says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then he says in verse 32, You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Young people, if I said to you, if you tell the truth, it'll set you free. You might think like the Pharisees thought. What is he talking to me about the truth setting me free? I am free. I've never been in bondage to any man. But you know, they were in bondage. They were captives. What were the Pharisees and the scribes captive to? To sin? to their own egos, to their own reputations, to what their little neighbours thought. Hey, look what he's doing over there. And I thought, well, no, I'm not, I'm doing this. Trying to keep up appearances. They were captive to all these things. And Christ was telling them, but if you tell the truth, it'll set you free. That might, that might mean, guys, if you tell the truth, you might have to find yourself another set of friends at school. That might be, if you're out working, if you tell the truth... You may not be accepted at your workplace and you might have to find another occupation. You know, I used to go to, this, with, to school with this guy in primary school. He was quite a good lad. We were good mates. And as I said, this is not a story about me in some secret self-revelatory way. Okay, This is just a, it's not an anecdote. It's actually what happened to a guy I used to go to school with. Hit high school, year seven, eight, started hanging out with the druggos going to parties and smoking stuff that he shouldn't smoke. And all his grades started falling. He's a smart guy. He's intelligent. And up until this time, he was doing great. But then he started to slide. Man, he was cascading out of control. And his parents took him aside and told him, man, you're going nowhere fast, son. You've got to, you've got to pull your socks up. You've got to change. You've got to get out of this crowd. And he said, but mum, dad, they're my friends. I can't get out of there. I love them. They accept me. And they said, well, you've got to do something about it. So you know what he decided to do? He said, true, mum and dad were right. He didn't like to admit it because it was fun, you know. So he stopped smoking dope. So I'm not going to smoke it anymore. And okay, I'll go to the parties, but I'll be the designated driver. 
I'll drink lemonade. I'm not going to just get wasted all the time. That's what he said. And his mates started noticing and they started feeling irritated. Man, what's wrong with you? And he said, man, like you guys are going nowhere. You've got to stop smoking the for you. And look, I'm not going to drink anymore, but I still want to hang around you. They said, you're not hanging around us. You're not hanging around us. Go find someone else to hang around. Go hang around the nerdy guys over there. We don't want you hanging around us. And they rejected him from the group. The truth will set you free, young people. And what we want to look at this morning in (coughs) brevity is what I believe uh, Lot's biggest problem is. Now, what was his second biggest problem? Just so we get a bit of context. Do you remember what Lot's second biggest problem was? (coughs) Anyone? Somebody? Yes. And the word we had for it, for greediness? Covetousness. Covetousness. Yeah, lover of silver, exactly. I'll, I'll pay that one. That's a good one. If I had a lolly, you could have the lolly, but I don't. So he's covetous. That's his second biggest problem. Right up there. He loved the money. But his biggest problem, I believe, is in connection with his name. Have a look at this. Lot's biggest problem. His name means a veil to cover. Has anybody seen a veil before? Who's ever worn a veil? What do you wear a veil for? Get married, yep. Anything else? If I've got a piece of furniture I don't want the kids to um, sit on and I put a sheet over it and I veil it, what's that do? Hiding. Hides it. Have you ever seen, um, look. But whatever the thing was, that veil was over her, she was hiding from view. She didn't want me to see her or anybody else for that matter. Now what was Lot hiding? And I'm suggesting that Lot's name is a veil actually becomes a representation, illustration of what his real problem was. He's hiding something. What do you reckon he's hiding, guys? I'll take a wild stab at it. Nah. Nah. Yes. I reckon he was hiding these things. I reckon he was hiding the fact that he was a Hebrew, related to Abraham, in covenant relationship with Abraham, that he'd come out of Ur with a group of people that saw an angel or that the, whose head saw an angel and said, come out and they're going to give us a land which was revealed to us to be this particular land here and that I love God and that I want to stand up for righteousness and that I really want the kingdom to come. And the biggest thing that he hid was that he thought all the men of Sodom and the inhabitants of Sodom were wicked. And I believe he hid that. He never told anybody. Now, you might think, you're being a bit hard on poor old Lot. Can you substantiate this? Is this a, a, a supposition that we can actually maintain or validate about Lot's life? Now, is it? Let's have a look. I want you first to come with me to our second Peter chapter 2. We're going to go through a few quotes today, probably, and I can guarantee it right now, we're not going to turn them all up because it's... So 2 Peter chapter 2, look at this. I'll put it up here so you can see it too. Look at this. Verse 5, it speaks about Noah. It says, He did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, 
a herald of righteousness. And verse 8, sorry, verse 5, verse 8, Lot, for as that righteous man lived among them, day after day he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So Lot and Noah in the Bible are more than one occasion paired together. Now think about it. Is there a difference between these two men? Both are living at the end of a time period, end of an age. What's the difference in those verses there, which you may have never picked up and have read all your life? There's a big contrast. What is it? Can you see that from those verses? There's anything about conformity. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but what do those verses teach us? Yeah. Right on the money, right there. High five long distance for that one. Thank you. This is good because what's happening is this. Everybody knew what Noah thought. Everyone. You guys are all in Noah's ecclesia. Brother Noah's going to exhort to us today. Every time he went to his filing cabinet, what manila folder would he go to? The one that started with F. He'd pull out the file, the exhortation on flood. And he'd stand up here, brothers and sisters, God's going to judge this evil world by a great catastrophe, by a flood. It's going to come on and sweep it all away, wash it away. Everyone's going, yeah, 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 we've heard it all before. Not one person was ignorant about what Noah thought. They all knew that he's talking about this great flood and that the world around is a terrible place. He bangs on about it all the time. He was a herald. But Lot was different. It seems that Lot was discreet. And I believe he was veiled and kept it all inward. He was suffering deep mental affliction. In fact... As Noah was out there tormenting all these righteous souls, everybody that listened to him was tormented by his words. Noah, stop it. The only soul in the whole city of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities of the plain that was tormented was Lot. He tormented his own soul. He was low key and low profile. You ever heard those terms before? Don't want to create too much of a ripple. You ever, have you ever, have you ever, hands up anybody when they're with a bunch of friends, non-Christadelphian friends, have they ever bumped into another Christadelphian? Has it ever happened to you? Happened to me at work, right? Christadelphian walked through the door and I was surrounded by a couple of colleagues a few years ago. And straight away, with eye contact, you know each other and they all know you know each other. It's like, hi, g'day mate, how you going? And the secretary's like, oh, you guys know each other, do you? And he fobs it off. I go, yeah, 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 we know each other. Tries to get around it real quick. So she asks, how do you know each other? And you're about to say, we're Christadelphians and we go to the same ecclesia. Well, that's what I hope I'm about to say. And he interrupts and says, don't worry about it. You wouldn't want to know anyway. It's a long story. And the veil, and you know what I like about that? We think, oh, it's dramatic. Lot's doing a lot to hide everything. It's so trivial. It's all so commonplace in our life, isn't it? Just to hide what we really think and hide the truth and not say what it is we believe. That I'm going to church or going to our ecclesia or I'm a Christadelphian. 
And this was Lot's problem. This is his biggest problem. This is why his whole life was like it was. He was captive, captivated by sin, and captured in Sodom and he couldn't get out. And all he had to do to get out was start telling the truth. I hate the place, actually. You guys are a bunch of wicked, good-for-nothing people. Filthy. No good, dirty, low-down hobos. (laughs) Out he would have went. The truth would have set him free. True. Not that I'm suggesting you should say that to your mates at school, but I'm just saying, if you come clean and you say, I don't want to involve myself with that. No, you know, they tell dirty jokes. What do you do? Laugh your head off? Or just sort of calmly walk away? What's wrong with you? How come you're not listening? How come you don't want to hear this? Come on, you always want to laugh at this. I want to laugh at it. And people have said it to me before. You don't want to hear the jokes because you can laugh. And I'll say that's exactly right. And I would laugh if I heard the joke. And I don't want to hear it because I don't want to laugh and I don't want to engage in that sort of behaviour. And it takes, it takes a lot because you know what it's like. It'd be funny, wouldn't it, to hear it? But Lot hid all of that. Hey, Lot, he's at a business function. He's at a business function there, and his whole family's there. And the, the, the uh, president might say, yeah, Lot, I was trying to get you here on today on Sunday, but you seemed a little bit reluctant. How come you didn't want to come out today? And he might have been shaken about to say, it's because I wanted to go to the... And his wife kicks him under the table. And she looks at him like daggers. <laughs> that we're Christadelphians. And they've already had this discussion. Don't talk about the Bible and rouse. It's, it's embarrassing. And Lot's veiled and hidden. Yeah, that's pretty sad, isn't it? So we'll go through this. Look at these. So Abraham and Lot. I'll tell you the story and I'll put them up here so you know. In Genesis chapter 19, okay? In Genesis chapter 19... When the angels come to Lot and they're in his house and the men of the city besiege the city and they're saying, open the door, Lot, bring them out. We want them. Lot opens the door, comes out and he says, and this is the first recorded words of Lot. What does he say, guys? Can anybody tell me what he says? What about you guys over here? What's Lot say? You know what he says? He says, don't do so wickedly. You're wicked. What you're thinking of is wicked. What you're going to do is wicked. You're wicked. And they're like, all these body blows. They're shocked. They look around. Did I just hear? What did did he say? What I think? Right. And they start to march forward and converge on him. And we'll see tomorrow that they actually grabbed hold of him and started beating into him. They'd never heard Lot talk like this before. Wicked, you think, you're, you, what, you come in here like in your little tiny little flimsy little tent. We give you a room to stay in and a house and you're making all this money and now you're sitting in the gate, you think you're going to judge us? I suggest to you that Lot's never spoken like this before. I suggest to you that they've never heard what Lot really thinks. This is what is in his heart. He, he was sitting there in the gate afflicted mentally with all the things he saw and did as he walked down towards the gate from home every single day he'd see these these filthy people walking past him 
everywhere. And it was disgusting, making me want to vomit. Don't touch me. And people are like, what's wrong with you lot? Like, you've got some problems. And finally he comes out and says, you're wicked. And they go, <gasps> they've never heard him talk like this before. And in fact, how do we know in the record before this account that the men of the city of Sodom were wicked? Where's the record that says what God thinks? that they're wicked. Does anybody remember that little chapter and verse? This is telling. This is really telling. I'll give it to you. It's in chapter 13. After after Abraham and Lot separate and Lot goes down to the plain of Sodom, right? He goes down there and it says, but the men of Sodom were wicked, sinners before God. So God's estimation is, you're wicked. And Lot, through chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, hasn't said a word. And finally, he comes out and says, yeah, I agree with God. I'm a servant of his and I think you're all wicked. And finally, God and Lot are on the same page again. It's as if Abraham and Lot are now speaking the same language once more. Can you understand that, guys? You see what's going on? And they grab him and they start to go for him. Do you think they would have ever let him into the city if he had marched in there proclaiming, you're wicked, I don't want to do business with any of you. Ah, filthy, perverted, disgusting. What do you think would have happened a lot if he had come into Sodom saying stuff like that? Do you think he would have been, oh, here, have this house. You can settle here next to us. Come on. They would have went straight out the door with him and his wife and his family. Do you guys feel like that's us sometimes? Like I'm here doing this talk and I'm thinking there, do these kids all think that I always stand up for the truth all the time and that everybody I've ever come into contact knows that I'm a Christadelphian? So I know brothers and sisters like that. Practically everybody in their life knows they're a Christadelphian. I've got some space to make up in my life. And when I read the life of Lot, I think, man, how much is that like me? Do you guys feel like that sometimes? This is where we've got to change. It's 2010, Shippensburg. You guys have got to change. I've got to change. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to unveil ourselves and come clean and say, this is what I think. I really think that. I don't agree. I'm not going there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make new friends. (laughs) You might have to make new friends. And there's poor old Lot. Sodom was shocked. What about this one? Genesis 18. You know what God says about Abraham? God says about Abraham, I know that he'll teach his children the truth. I know that he'll take his kids to Sunday school and he'll say prayers with his kids at night time. Can anybody show me a chapter and verse where it says that about Lot? That he's going to teach his family the truth? That's sad, isn't it? He didn't teach his wife the truth and he sure didn't teach his children the truth. And if he did, we wouldn't know by their own actions and we certainly don't know through scripture. So we're led to read and led to believe that Lot could not be afforded that same praise that God gives to Abraham. Now that's frightening. 
if an angel stood here, would he be able to look at you and say, listen, I can tell that you tell your friends about the truth. And I know that you, everyone knows you're a Christadelphian and you stand up for what's right. At least your friends know what you really feel about God. Would an angel be able to say that about me? And what about Abraham? Oh, sorry, Lot in this occasion. So the men, of the, men the angels are with Lot in his living room and they say, now Lot, we've got to go. Stop lingering. Hey, is there anybody else in the city? So Lot races out into the darkness and he knocks on the door of his son's-in-law house and he gets them out of bed and they go, who's that? Dad, what are you doing here? And he's stressed and he says, we've got to get out of here. We've got to go because God's going to blow the place up. Hold on, what? God's going to blow the place up. Everyone in this city is wicked and time's come and he's going to sweep it away. They go, hold on. Hold on. They're looking for the camera. You're going to catch me out here. And they start laughing. Dad, come on, what are you talking about? And Lot's getting really worked up. But they've never seen him worked up like this in their life. And they think he's actually mocking. He's having a great big joke. It's a gag, Dad. I mean, it's only three in the morning, but it's a pretty funny one. I've got to go back to bed. And then he starts getting really worked up. And they think maybe he's having a heart attack. Go home and take your pills, will you? Just settle down. <laughs> God's going to wipe this place. Come on, Dad. Every decision you have ever made and any indication you've ever given us is that you only agree with our life here in Sodom. Our business is here. What are you talking about? Come on. And they think he's mocking. Can you imagine how serious Lot would be and yet they think he's making a great big joke? In fact, do you ever ask yourself, how come Lot didn't tell them? Listen, you guys, I've got a pair of angels standing in my living room and they've already performed a miracle. Right now, come back and check. Well, they, he would have said that, but that would have only made the situation worse. They would have laughed their heads off. <laughs> Did you hear that? Dad says he's got a couple of angels sitting on the lounge having tea and coffee back at his place and they've smitten everybody with blindness. <laughs> Oh, look, just go to bed. Shut the door on him and they go back to bed. Lot's got to go home empty-handed. If you told any of your friends that Russia's going to come down, Christ is going to return, there's going to be a kingdom on earth, would they laugh you to scorn? Or would they say, look, you keep saying this, but would you just shut up because I don't want to hear it anymore? What would they say? Would they be shocked and just laugh at you and think you're joking? Or would they really think, yeah, I know, that's what you think. But See, they don't appear to have a clue that Lot feels this way. Yeah? That's a frightening thing. And Lot also, unlike Abraham in chapter 17, was not circumcised. Abraham received circumcision. If you were amongst the tents of Abraham, tell me guys, what would happen if you weren't circumcised? You had to leave. You were cut off from the tents of Abraham. You weren't allowed to live with Abraham and his family. Hands up if anybody knows how many people in Sodom were circumcised. There weren't any. Lot missed out on the covenant. The sign of the covenant at least. It's pretty sad. These two here are like this. See in Genesis 14 verse 14... We're told, we've looked at this, 
how Abraham had trained servants who were born in his house. And evidently that must mean that he taught them the truth. Tell me anywhere where it says that, a, that Lot rather taught his ecclesia the truth. Show me anywhere where it says Lot converted anybody. We know Abraham converted Ana, Eshcol and Memory. People who, were made, who had made a covenant with Abraham who lived with him on the basis of fellowship and worshipping the same God. Lot hadn't done any of those things. Lot hadn't converted a soul. Lot hadn't preached the truth to his shepherds and to his herdsmen or to his wife and his children. At least as far as the scriptural record goes, Abraham did this and Lot didn't. And we find that Lot built altars. Oh, sorry, Abraham. Abraham built altars all the way through the land. And so person would come and see an altar and go, wow, look at that. We worship the same God. No, we don't. Abraham would say, that's your God. This is our God. Can anybody show me where Lot built an altar? Just one. He doesn't build any altars. It's like a big preaching campaign. People would walk past and go, look at, man, look at the pile of rock. Who put that there? And Abraham would step out and go, and I want to tell you about the truth and find an opportunity to preach. Lot was never standing beside an altar worshipping God. That's a sad thing. Lot wasn't known for the truth. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were all known for living the truth. They were all known to have had the God of the Hebrews with them. Not one person ever says to Lot, Lot, I know God is with you. I know God is with you. Not one. In fact, I think in Sodom every day, Bera the king would have come up to Lot and said, don't you worry, Lottie baby. I'm with you in all that you do. All the time I'm with you. You know, there was a, a brother who actually, um, he died in, in Australia. This is a true story. And he the funeral was on and a few of his work colleagues came and they sat lately at the back of the hall and a brother out the front was eulogising him, saying he's a wonderful husband, a brother in the truth, a brother who always stood up for what was right, many years of service to God. And these guys were down the back laughing. People told him to shut up. And after the uh, service, people went up and said, who are you guys? And they said, we worked with him. We worked with him. We worked with him for 10 years. We didn't even know he was religious. He used to laugh at jokes that were inappropriate, dirty jokes. He used to laugh at jokes about the missus and look at girls and drink with us at the pub. We didn't even know he was religious, man. What are you talking about? And I think, where's that guy, where's that brother going to be in 50 years? And I'm not going to judge him, but I'm just saying, is that what your friends would say about you? I didn't even know that you were, were religious. Do you preach the truth? How many times have you had an opportunity to preach the truth? I remember once I was delivering to a news agency and I remember this with shame. Years ago, I thought it's never going to happen again. And I've been praying because the Ecclesia was really excited about preaching. And so I'm just, I delivered and I was just about to get the check off the uh, lady who owned the news agency and she said, look at the today's headlines. Look at all the things that are happening in the Middle East. And she said, what's the world coming to? What do you reckon? And I just went, I took the check, put it in my pocket and said, don't know, and walked out. 
And I never said a word. And I had the opportunity, like on a silver platter, there. Matt, and I believe that Christ is going to return. He's going to fix up this mess. And Russia's going to come down. There's going to be a big war. That's all I had to say. And she would have said, oh, whatever. Or, that's interesting. But I was too gutless to say that. And I think Lot is so much like us. Do you guys feel like that sometimes in life? See, this is poor old Lot. See, each one of those singularly standing by itself doesn't prove anything. But on the balance, this broad sweep of Lot's life, you start to get a picture of what's going on. He gave up the tent. He didn't want to go tenting again. Neither did his family. He gave up his sonship. And do you know when Abraham was taking those angels on their way and it says, they said to him, we're going down to see if the cry of Sodom is altogether according to the cry because it's very great. We're going to see if the wickedness is great. I used to think to myself, maybe this is Lot. Maybe this is finally Lot crying out. But you know what? It's not. Go back to Genesis chapter um, 19 if you don't mind. Have we got any time left? We've got 10. Wow. That is generous. So we go down to Genesis chapter 19. Now, just think for a moment. If Lot was the one crying out, if he was the one who was crying out every day saying, save me God, audibly, help me, get me out of this wicked place. When the angels say to Lot in verse 13, we are about to destroy this place because the outcry of its people has become great before the Lord. What would be more natural than to say, say Dan's Lot, Lot, your cry has been heard. Your cry has come up to all of us. We've heard it. You're going to be free. What would be more natural than to say that? Except he doesn't say it to Dan because Dan's quiet. And the angels don't say it to Lot because he hasn't been saying a word. Not audibly. And I didn't say he wasn't praying because the Bible doesn't say whether he was or he wasn't. Perhaps he was praying to God. I mean, Second Peter says he's in deep mental affliction. He's stressed out of his brain. Maybe he was sitting there at the front gate praying to God, God, come and save me from this place. Get my family out of here. But none of the other people of the city knew what he was praying for. None of the other people of the city knew what he actually really felt about the wickedness. In fact, they all thought, good old buddy Lot. He's the one who we do business dealings with. Because of him, we're rich. And because of Abraham, his uncle, we were saved Maybe that may have carried favour and possibly given Birah, the king, encouragement to give Lot a prominent position at the front gate of the city. You can sit down there now and help us to judge in civil matters. A wonderful, because if we ever get into trouble again, Lot will look after us. His uncle will come and save us. We better look after Lot, like Lot's the goose that laid the golden egg. We've got to look after him. But don't mention anything about religious matters, okay, Lot? He hadn't said a word, young people. Not a word. The picture of Lot breaks my heart. And yet I can see in that long list there many, many relationships to my own life. Many things that smite my own conscience. 
Maybe it smites yours. I don't know. But I'm just saying, when I look at Lot, it gives me motivation to not be like that. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be known for preaching the truth. I want to be known for standing up for the truth. To be known for building altars and living in a tent and being a pilgrim and being different from society and worshipping God and calling on the name. That's what I want to be known for. What do you guys want to be known for at, at school? What do you want to be known for at work? You make the choice now. This is where you make the choice. So we ask the question. We ask this big question. Why did Lot hide everything? And just in passing, I forgot to show the adults this quote. I want to show you one quote because we've got about three minutes. Oh, got heaps of time. Don't worry about it, Matt. Stop stressing. I want to show you this quote, guys. It's in um, Ezekiel chapter 14. Look at this quote. This is a very, very, very telling quote. Ezekiel 14, verse 14 says this, talking about a really bad time in a, in a civilization's life. When it gets to a certain point, so rough and so bad, like to the time of Sodom, when they're only thinking about themselves, verse 14 says, even if, this, if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. They wouldn't be able to save anybody else. And it says it in verse 16, even if these three men were in it. And in verse 17, 18 rather, even if these three men were in it. And it says it in verse 20, even if Noah and Daniel and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. Who's missing out of that list of three? Lot is missing. Was Noah known for what he believed? And yet for all his preaching, he couldn't save anyone. Was Daniel known for what he believed in, in uh, Babylon? Absolutely. And God says, if it got this bad, even Daniel couldn't save anybody. And Job, was Job known as a righteous man? Too right he was. He visited the fatherless and the widows. If he ever saw somebody in the street without food, he'd invite them to his table. Job was known, but even if he was there, he couldn't save anybody. Now, this is the point with Lot. Sodom was so bad. Why isn't Lot in that list? Noah, Daniel, Job, and even if Lot was there, he wouldn't save anybody. Brothers and sisters, because I, young people, because I believe he wasn't there preaching trying to save people. I really believe that wasn't Lot. He wasn't like Daniel. He wasn't like Noah. He wasn't like Job. He wanted to be like him. He wanted to preach. He wanted to change. He wanted to save. He wanted to convert. But he was a weak man. And we're going to see tomorrow when he finally comes into his own and finally becomes a righteous man. But we're going to finish with this. Why did he hide everything? And the answer, guys, is in Matthew chapter 5. Still got five minutes. Okay, I've got a couple of minutes. We'll just finish off with Matthew chapter 5. I apologise for going over time, guys. It's my own fault for getting here late. And I even got a ride on the buggy too. I'm still late. Matthew chapter 5, are you ready for this? Look at this, verse um, 14. 
You are the light of the world. Young people, you guys at Shippensburg, I'm talking to you. God is speaking to you. You are the light of the world. And if you become a city set on a hill as a lamp, it can't be hid. Don't put your light as a lamp under a basket or under a bushel. You put it on a stand, a lampstand, so it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what do you do with your light? You've got to let it shine. You've got to let people see what you're doing. Where are the good works of Lot before chapter 19? Does anybody know? Show me when Lot did something good. Where's the record say he did anything good before chapter 19? Guys, have you reached chapter 19 yet in your life? Is your life up to chapter 19? Have you done anything good for God? Has anybody seen any of your good works or are you veiled like Lot? Do people know what you think? Do people understand what you really believe, guys? People know what I feel. What's a bushel? Well, look what a bushel is. Why did he hide it? It's an earthenware grain measure. Do you guys still have bushels of apples here in the, in the States? Yeah, well, we don't in Australia, okay? I didn't know what a bushel was. I had to look this up. A bushel's a measure. But think about it. It's used in commerce and industry, making this stuff the money. I believe Lot, in his pursuit of industry, in his pursuit of silver and gain, striving after commerce, had covered up his life with that bushel. He covered it up that he was a worshipper of God. He loved the truth and he was a Hebrew. Because of where he wanted to go in life, he couldn't say, this is what I believe. His wife would kick him under the table. He'd zip his mouth closed. I don't want to say what I really believe because he wouldn't have business dealings. People would have boycotted his shop. They would have thought, there's Lot's shoe shop and there's Sodom's shoe shop. Well, we'll go to Lot's shoe shop because he's a great guy. But if Lot had had leaflets and heralds in the front window and said, you're all wicked, first person that comes through, you're a wicked person. Do you want a pair of shoes? And you are too. All your kids are going to grow up wicked the way you're teaching them. Do you guys want shoes as well? Like, come on. Lot wouldn't have made any money if he had really said what he believed. It's going to be hard in life, guys. I'm not promising you a, you know, a rosy path to the kingdom. But what I am promising you is that the truth will set you free. And if you tell the truth, you'll stand with Abraham. And this was Lot's biggest problem. He hid the fact that he really loved God. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at anchor.fm gct or check the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages 
where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks, on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at goodchristadelphiantalks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.